Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. On this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Liz Devine Hewson and Mark Lund. They are both the principals of Twin Lights Consulting, a company that specializes in developing interpersonal communications and EQ in professional millennials. By coaching and training millennials on how to build client relationships, increase team performance, and cultivate leadership, Mark and Liz guide professionals to higher performance, escalating both their productivity and their engagement throughout organizations. As you will hear in our discussion, their unique approach nurtures a world where multiple generations successfully unite, collaborate, and work cohesively thereby creating an exceptional corporate culture. Well, I'm Liz Hewson, and our company is Twin Lights Consulting. And um, Mark and I founded it really on the fact that we see that there's a a loss of communication in the world today. And it really is is among the younger generations. There's a challenge with them because they, they lost a lot of those interpersonal skills when they were growing up because of technology. And while they have all these incredible um, technical skills that the older generation doesn't necessarily have, as a younger generation, they've, they've missed out on some of the people skills or a lot of the people skills actually. And Mark and I are culture and communications coaches and we really wanna bring that to organizations and really help them to expand it and build upon their communication. You know, uh, um, Liz and I came together with alignment and vision and purpose. And my background as a physician in 30 years of literally working on, being a part of, and then finally creating and leading high-performing teams where minutes and seconds were the difference in life and death. And most people in their jobs don't need to have that. But the fact is that good communication skills is really the ability to relate to other human beings. And it's the ability to come together and to say, look, I really have your back because I know who you are. I believe in you. I see you. And again, when you start to learn and to really understand, actively listen to what someone's saying, then you can come together and you can come together in amazing ways and high performing ways. As Liz mentioned, we have five kids between us. She and her husband have three and I have two. And one of my sons was at a, a birthday party about a year and a half ago, and there were about 100 kids there, and they were in their own little cliques and circles. And instead of talking in the circles, they were literally texting to each other in the circle. As we've uh, gone into other companies and we've talked to companies, you'll have these younger workers, and they're literally sitting in small cubicles next to each other, not sort of the, the squared off cubicles, just a little sort of workspace that they focus into, a desk. And they will text one another sitting next to each other instead of just backing their chair up a little bit and looking around the uh, the screen. So we can bring people together and we can deliver not only amazing things for those, those young people in society and the future leaders, but also for the business owners that are there and for the mission and vision that they serve, i.e., you know, humanity in whatever um, uh, customer service or product that they're producing. I so appreciate uh, both of what you you just kind of opened up with. First, you know, first, but Liz, from the standpoint of the culture and the communication, I mean, to me, the two go hand in hand. And um, Mark, I love the aspect that you talked about. You know, your background as a physician and being able to meet people where they're at. It's such a it's such an embodied experience um, when yeah, when you go in and you see uh, a physician and 
you know, there's not necessarily, and it's tough today. And it's something I'd love to chat about. You know, it's tough. There's technology that's in between you and the physician. You know, there's the EMR, there's Epic, right? There is nothing better than having a physician look you in the eye um, and sort of hold that space for you. And because it's, it could be a nerve wracking experience. And I think, um, the, the other point around the texting is really, is really a, a, a potent, you know, uh, point because even in, in our workspaces, you're right. I would rather jump on Skype or, you know, we've gotten to the point where it's like hit somebody up with a quick chat on Skype when they're, I don't know, 10 feet away. Like what's, what's preventing us from getting up and walking over. So when we think about those challenges happening in the workplace and outside the workplace on the playground and in the boardroom, um, what are some of the things that you all see um, in terms of tactics or techniques of how to help people get out of that? I mean, these are habits, right? These are these phones and everything. Like they're dictating us, not the other way around. So I'd love to to gather some of your thoughts on what are some of the techniques or, or things that you've shared with some clients and some com- you know companies or customers to help them become that more engaged, dialed in, embodied uh, set of you know culture employees. Um, environments. One of the one of the things that we do do is try to help them understand first of all that the communication that you have via text or even via email is missing um, is missing an overall communication. We are 55% of communication is body language. You don't get that on a text or an e- email. Um, 38% of communication is tonality. You don't get that on a text or an email. So what Mark and I do when we come into an organization is we actually do interactive workshops with, um, with teams to really help them to, to, to almost to enlighten them, to have them really see, look, you think this is great. And we're not saying there's anything wrong with a phone and texting and all that, but you, things can get miscommunicated and misconstrued and it can often cause conflict. And if conflict is, is building over text, your organization's gonna have a really big problem. So we just try to really come in and bring um, insight and knowledge and sort of um, an awareness, an overall awareness that we're not saying technology is bad, we're huge supporters of technology, but there's also, you're missing something with it and it's important to get up out of the chair to really make sure that your message is heard, to make sure as a leader that your team is really understanding what you're trying to put out there. And if it's coming to them via text, they might be missing a big portion of it. And it's not just the communication. That's, that's a critical part and losing that, but you're also losing the human touch. The, the ability, the highest performing teams literally have each other's back. If you look at the Navy SEALs, they nod at each other as they're going in to do something. That's, that's a simple, simple body language thing that has meaning. My life's in your hands, your life is in mine. And granted, most of us in the workplace will never have to experience anything like that commitment. But when we look at the way we coach, and we'll come back around to this a little bit later, but we coach on energy. And you know, there are people who are, um, who are just, life is, is you know, getting me, or I've got to fight for everything, or I'll let you win, but only after I win, I'll push you down. And then there are people that tell you what, let's play as a team. Let's really work together and let's all win together. And when you get to that point and a team comes together, you really start to have the environment in which culture can flourish. So we have a simple process. And the reason that we really think about communication is because it really is the root. It is the foundation piece. Communication, when it is trusting, when it is open, when it is authentic, 
when you model what you're saying, develops true trust. With trust, you can create commitment. Commitment creates engagement. And by the way, 72% of millennials are not engaged in their work. Companies are paying a lot of benefits and salary, and they're not getting what they're investing in. It doesn't mean that they're bad, but we're not giving them the environment. So communication to trust, trust to commitment to engagement. And when you have engaged employees who are truly committed to each other and to the mission and vision that are working in a place of good communication and trust, you build exceptional culture. Culture flourishes. And that's what a lot of these millennials want. They want an experience. They want to experience the culture. And we can help companies deliver that. We can help the founders and the leaders of those companies deliver it because we can come in and tweak that that communication, that trust, and that commitment that all leads to what they really want, which is culture. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the um, the analogy around the Navy SEALs. Um, I myself am an ex-military, so I'm a veteran, um, and uh, I was in the Army uh, for about 12 years. And I think your 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 point around you know the ability to communicate so much and so little comes with uh, with trust. And you know I can do a head nod to somebody, and in that head nod across the room, it means I got you. You're doing okay. We're going to be fine. Like all of that can be embodied. And, you know, to your point, Liz, like that doesn't come across in text. That doesn't come across in email. It doesn't come across in sort of our traditional um, channels. I think the other point that, that Mark, you made that I really would love to dig on a little bit is the energy. Um, one thing I am seeing with um, organizations that are struggling with communication and how to do it effectively to engage employees is this balance of not everybody has to be an extrovert. Not everybody has to be the one standing on stage doing the the fist pump. Um, so when you think about going into organizations and essentially reading energy, I mean, which which I try and do all the time as an empath, I walk into a room and in, in about five seconds, I can kind of figure out <laughs> what people are struggling with, what the, what's going to come up and, and I can get ready for it. But not everybody has that capacity or that capability. So when you, when you talk about energy, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, and, and give people some, some food for thought around how that influences the outcome. Absolutely. So first of all, we always say energy is really how you show up. And, and it's the best way to have people understand that because when an employee is in a company, whether they're an introvert or an extrovert, it really doesn't matter as long as they are, you can be introverted and still be showing up with energy. It's, it's the way you present yourself. It's your excitement about being there. So we really try to help our, our clients to by, by almost by holding up a mirror to their energy and saying uh, for, we do an assessment with them first, which is an energy leadership assessment. And it talks about the seven different levels of energy uh, talking about that, uh, how you are energetically on a daily basis as compared to how you are under stress, which is very important for all organizations to really know about their staff, because if you're putting teams together to work effectively, you have to know that that team is going to be, close, at least close enough in their energy level to be getting things done and how do they operate under stress? So energy for us is, again, it's everything. It's how you show up. It's the, um, your behavior, your ability to lead, your ability to be impactful. And again, we, we work on that through workshops. We come in and we do, everything is interactive that we do because honestly, when you're talking about in today's workforce, which is one of the, the things that we talked about in the beginning, 
people need to have that interactive, interpersonal type training because the younger generation doesn't just want to be talked at. They need to experience it. So we help them to understand how their energy is by doing interactive workshops based on energy leadership. The, the important thing in my mind is that, and again, I, I come at this from a slightly different viewpoint as a physician who spent you know, nearly 30 years, about 20 years of it uh, in uh, lung medicine and critical care, but specifically deal with lung cancer. Poor energy uh, really is a cancer in a corporation. The impact of um, catabolic or sapping destructive energy versus building or anabolic energy is, is very significant. And one person who is really like that can really impact a company, certainly a team. So Liz mentioned that we use a tool called the Energy Leadership Index. Uh, it's a validated um, attitudinal assessment that focuses on human energy. It uh, was listed as one of the 11 assessments that every executive should take by Forbes. So. I don't want to go too far into this, but I'd like to just go through the levels of energy briefly with you. Level one energy, which is low, up to level seven, which is very high or anabolic building energy. The first two levels are purely catabolic. One is I'm a victim. Life happens to me. You know, it's always terrible. I'm always downtrodden, et cetera. Level two is I'm angry. Not as angry in the fisticuffs matter, but you know, uh, I've got to fight. I've got to scrape for everything I've got. I, you know, I'm going to hoard it and hold it because I got to fight for it. Level three is well. Tell you what, again, I'll let you win, but only after I win. When I get on top, that's fine. But if I'm not on top, I'll pull the rug out from under you. I'll step on you. I'll do anything I can to get you down so I have the chance to win. Level four is where we start to really transition into true anabolic energy. Tell you what, let's come together. Let's win. Let's work together and let's put this together as a team. I don't care who gets credit or not. That's the old uh, you know, statement. It's amazing what can happen when you don't care who gets the credit for it because we all win. Level five. Level five is a place of um, uh, really seeking opportunity. So we've all heard the term, you know, uh, when life gives you lemons, just statement, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. But that isn't really seeking opportunity. Yes, and let's make the lemonade. Let's harvest every pit out of it and grow an entire grove in the back. Let's sit there and zest all the lemon peels and sell that. And let's go ahead and crush those and, and get the oils out. Let's give lots of value in from the lemons we have and continuously grow through fertilizing it with the leftovers and planting all the seeds so we have a larger and larger scaling ability, not only to help us, but more importantly, to help the world. And let's do that. Level six is when you become connected to your intuition. And intuition is such an important part. Our brain has three parts. It has the reptilian part that sort of keeps us going, has the neocortex that allows us to do all the fancy calculations and math and physics and all that. But then there's the limbic system. It has no capacity for human language. It has no capacity to express itself. So we don't know how to say what we're thinking, but it's incredibly powerful. It's the my gut tells me or my heart tells me. If you look at someone and ask them why they love their child, they, they can't tell you why. They just do. 
And that's the limbic system. And level seven are those special people who are connected, like Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, John Paul II, the Dalai Lama. People are connected in a very different way. So the point is that we can sit back and look at how people are on a, a company's team and where they're going, and we can look to try to coach them up. If you're at level one, two, you can't go to level five, six very easily. But if you're at five or six, being at level one may be important. I just got hit by a car. I've got to be the victim. Help me. Help me. That's an important skill to have. But you have the range. And we can help people to see where they are and help to move them forward. That is so, I mean, you're so speaking my language. I love, I love what you're saying because, um, man, if I had this index back in the day, it would have been so helpful in organizations. I think it's really powerful to hear you talk about um, the recognition that the index has been given, you know, by organizations like Forbes and others, because, you know, if you think about uh, things like digital transformation, right, organizations are putting all of this effort into like digital transformation, and they're trying to figure out where they are maturity wise, just like you said, we're are we at a one or are we at a seven? If we're at a one, let's not pretend that we're going to be at a five tomorrow. We got to work our way. And maybe we're at a one because of conditions that are out of our control. I think it's so powerful to hear you talk about the energy index from a leadership standpoint, because one of the things that I feel, and I've written about this a little bit, is leadership can be lonely. And people don't give themselves the permission to even do the work you're talking about, to say, where am I on an index or what's going on in my life that's causing me to be maybe at a two as opposed to a four? So when you think about, um, I'd love to get both your perspectives from a personal standpoint and as a professional standpoint, um, how, how do leaders, how can leaders in this world um, make this less of a lonely experience? Because it does, it requires a lot of introspection. It requires a lot of reflection. And sometimes I think as we talked about before, that requires vulnerability. Um, and yeah, the vulnerability piece here, I think a lot of executives see that word and they want to run the other way. Um, but you can't do the work unless you're vulnerable. So I'd love to hear your thoughts professionally, who you're serving, helping, and then in your own stories, how you do that. Yeah. Uh, Mark and I, are. I, we love that you just said vulnerability. We're both smiling over here. Uh, because leading with vulnerability is people, the problem is that people run from it. They run from it because they think of it as a weakness it's actually a strength. And leaders, doesn't matter how high you are up, you still need help from others. And once you start to realize that as a leader, that leading with vulnerability is actually an asset um, and, and it's a way to, to really communicate authentically. It's a way to build that trust that we're talking about. And when you're talking about the younger generation, bringing the millennials in and then the next coming uh, Gen Zers, they need their leaders to be leading with vulnerability because they, that is how trust is earned. So that, that requires active listening skills. That means a leader needs to allow space for people to be heard, for people to ask the right questions, and for them to be, again, vulnerable to say, look, I want your feedback. It's so important for leaders to ask for feedback. And in today's world, again, as the millennials are going to be more than 50% of the workforce by the end of 2020, leaders are going to need to do that. They are going to need to ask their younger employees how they are being perceived or else they're not going to have that success in the organization. No, I, I, I can't uh, echo this any more yeah. importantly than, than, than Liz. And we have four pillars of communication that we work on. Because most people think that communication is what you express. 
And, uh, you know, the, the, the term is, is full duplex, but really what it means is bi-directional. Uh, it's the difference between the old walkie-talkie that uh, you played with as a kid and a telephone. Uh, you know, that's why, um, and, and you said you're a military. Thank you for your service. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, that, you, you know, the, the old, you know, um, you know uh, over, you know, um, and right. you're out, I'm done. You know, um, you need to communicate when you're done speaking and stop and come off the, 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 the mic button so that you can hear back. Uh, so we work on four pillars. And that's authentic communication, open, authentic communication. Why? Because it builds trust and it allows you to get your point across clearly. The second is, is that we work on active listening. Most people listen to retort or listen to reply. They don't listen to understand. So we work on that because, again, you need to be hearing. And not just what is verbally said, but what is being physically said in body language and in tone. Then we also look at what we call integrative thinking. And integrative thinking is the ability to understand that there are multiple different realities. Uh, the, the, the old uh, six and nine, just because you're right doesn't mean that I'm wrong. We can see things differently and we have to understand them. And if we open that up, we have the ability to truly create uh, immense opportunity between those uh, two points. And the last is the vulnerability that you were just speaking about. So it's really important. It's critical that people understand those skills and they come together because 80% of success in business is interpersonal skills. And it's, it's really important. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, sorry, guys. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and so much of that has been has been lost on technology. And again, we're going back to um, the millennials and Gen Zers who are coming in because they've spent so much of their life in front of screens and looking at phones. They they are lacking those communication skills. So really, leaders of today, whether they're a, an X or a baby boomer, they need to pass down those communication skills. They need to be leading with vulnerabilities so they can get the best out of their younger employees. And if you're a millennial who um, is a leader in your business, you also need to have those communication skills in order to be a future, in order to grow as a leader. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, and it's, it's something that organizations really need to understand today that in order for their businesses to thrive and continue to grow, the, the number one thing they need to be focusing on is communication within their business. And you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful if you think about when you have the opportunity as a servant leader, and that's what Liz and I look at each other as, as servant leaders, to be able to impact multiple groups of people. So on the, on the millennial side or the leading edge of, of Gen Z as they come up, communication is, is so important. And Jeff Weiner, the, the CEO of um, LinkedIn, uh, said the number one skills gap in the United States, particularly as we're in the middle of, of AI and the Industrial uh, Revolution 4.0, as they say, is communication skills. It's the number one gap. Um, if you start to look at uh, jobs available, Monster, um, Monster.com, roughly 95% of the jobs posted in one of their uh, reviews, the number one job skill requested was quote-unquote soft skills or interpersonal skills. 95% of the jobs being posted, that's what they needed. Um, you know, as we become more and more entrenched in technology, we really need to upgrade our human skills, our interpersonal skills, and that's what really benefits that group. The Society of Human Resources um, looked at um, uh, the impact of communication 
in companies with 100 employees, the average annual loss directly attributable to poor communication was $420,000 a year. Now, that doesn't include secondary and tertiary impacts. Direct loss because of poor communication, $420,000 a year. I'm sure that every single business owner would rather have that nearly half a million dollars to reinvest in their company and build it or to be able to take some of that out to build their own you know, asset. The fact is, is that it serves the owner, it serves the company, it serves the employee, not only in what they're doing now, but in the rest of their career. And it's wonderful to be in a position of being able to serve so many people with one focused approach. Yeah, I, I applaud the, the um, I love the data that you're sharing, by the way, because I think it's, you know, a lot of times people think this is just qualitative, right? They think it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's anecdotal, it's testimonial. There are true numbers to support. And as you shared, Mark, there are, there are dollars uh, on, the, on the line here. Um, so as we kind of come to, to, to the close here, I think this would be a perfect opportunity for you both to, to share. I mean, there are so many people out there um, that could probably use some help in this space. What's the best way for them to find out about Twin Lights Consulting, about each of you, about some of the work that you're doing? Maybe even reach out and get plugged in or pull you into their organization to say, hey, we need some help on the pillars or we might need to look at the energy index. What's the best way for them to find out um, about you and, and ways to engage? Yes, love it. Okay, so uh, www.twinlightsconsulting.com is really the best way to reach out. And, and the one thing I just want to add is that the good news about everything that we're talking about with communication and it lacking in the workforce is it can be learned. It's communication is something that once it's just training, it's practicing. So organizations just need to invest a little time in it for their younger employees and, and really understand that millennials aren't necessarily trying to be lazy. They don't have certain skills they, from when they were growing up. So as long as an organization can really come in and understand that that, there's, that they have a lot to offer, but they just need to invest a little bit in the millennials and the millennials will give back. They want to be in an engaged organization. They want to be part of an awesome culture. So Mark and I, that's what we love to do. We go in and we work with organizations to really help bring out the best and help them really to, uh, to thrive and have a better future. And, you know, on the uh, twinlightsconsulting.com webpage, uh, there's a contact form. Our emails are out there mm -hmm. directly as well. Uh, and uh, our uh, our telephone numbers, uh, so they people can reach out, and they can find us both on LinkedIn as well, and uh, uh, get an idea of what our background is, where we're coming from, and uh, uh, and move forward from there. We would love to have conversations with anyone who may remotely be in a position to have us help. Uh, we're happy to give some information and uh, evaluate how you can move forward, and um, uh, some of the tools that companies. Uh, uh, mid-level managers to senior leaders um, uh, to board members can take to help their companies move forward. That's great. Thank you. One of the things I'm, I'm thinking so much about is, as you're both uh, sharing is, uh, you know, the importance of what I, what I call empathy at scale. Um, and the more that we talk about the multiple generations in the workforce, the more that we talk about um, technology-assisted AI, I think about the roles that you play in, in your organization for others. Um, I think about the role that I get to play for organizations for others. And it, it truly does get me excited because we have an opportunity to grow empathy at scale. And when empathy can scale, it's all the things we're talking about. It's intuition, it's trust, it's vulnerability. 
Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, as I read about the, certainly the millennials and, and they, they joke here where I work, they call me the millennial whisperer um, because I, I do that bridge uh, of coming from a long line of great storytellers, right? In a multi-generational family and being able to connect the dots for the millennials. But I also get excited about the Generation Z. And then I just read recently about the alphas, which is the next group coming. I think they're going right back to A. Uh-huh. So 2010 and uh, born in 2010 and later. Apparently, they're calling the alphas. So uh, change, is, change is coming, to your point, right? Over 50% of the workforce. So I think the need um, is there more than ever. And I would also just echo that if people are listening and thinking about, hey, this is on my, this is on my plan, but it's kind of further down, um, I would challenge people to really bring that up, to, to bring it up on your list of priorities. Because as Mark, you and Liz said, um, it's going to save you um, in talent. It's going to save you in investment. It's going to save you in dollars. Um, and, and hopefully that allows people to focus on their missions and, um, and vision in the end. So um, thank you both. Any last uh, words or insights you want to share? This has been a great discussion. As I expected, the time flew by. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the only thing that uh, uh, I would say in, uh, in closing is, if you're a business owner or if you are a, uh, a C-suite executive and you want to inspire your employees to be their best, to do their best, and to meet the mission and to deliver for the company as well as the individual, what you need to do is invest in those employees. And you don't need to do that necessarily with huge dollars. You need to invest in the time. And uh, please call us, reach out, because we would love to assist you in making that change. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Mark and Liz as much as I did. I think it's really important to talk about things like embodied communications, your energy levels, trust, and vulnerability in organizations. So if you enjoyed the episode, leave me some feedback or a rating, and certainly share with your friends. Thanks for listening.